So this morning, we are going to finish up chapter 14 of John's Gospel. Uh, For those of you that are new, uh, this is your first time visiting. We want to welcome you. Thank you. We've been saving a seat for you for a long time. Praise God. Just want to let you know we appreciate your visiting and hope that you uh, would prayerfully consider making this your home church. First of all, For those of you that don't know, we're a non-denominational church. However, we believe in the power and the operation of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the working of the Holy Spirit in our midst. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as evidence with speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. Because it builds your faith. You don't know what you're saying. So you might as well, if you're praying in tongues, you believe in God, you're building your faith. Without further ado, we want to look into, we'll begin at chapter 15, or chapter 14, verse 15. Remember, verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus, he begins by saying, let not your heart be troubled. Comforting words he gives us. Let not your heart be troubled. So he continues, and he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Let's stop right there for just a moment. This little word, if, means so much. It's the great hinge pin of life. If you uh, may have uh, in your life said, if only I had done this differently, things would have turned out differently. If only I had uh, listened to my dad's advice, I'd have been a millionaire by now. (laughs) I wouldn't have gotten into debt and Yada, 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 and so on and such forth. If is such an important word. Jesus tells us, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, what are his commandments? Well, you could start with the Ten Commandments. That's a good start, amen? (laughs) I was looking and studying this, and uh, I just happened to start reading uh, Psalm 119. Uh, Psalm 119 being the longest Psalm in the Bible is 176 verses, and in almost every section it goes by the letters of the alphabet of the Jewish alphabet. Almost every section there's something in there about the law or the statutes or the rules and commandments and judgments of God. So does anybody do their homework the last time I preached? I told you to read chapter 12 of Romans, remember? Our Christian Well, I didn't do it either. (laughs) So, your homework this week is read Psalm 119. (laughs) Praise God. It begins, verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, or blameless. How many know we're undefiled now that we've received Jesus? The blood of Jesus has cleansed us. We are now blameless. And God has promised to preserve us blameless. Hallelujah, before him. Glory to God. Blessed are the blameless who walk in the way, walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. You go on and on. Read Psalm 119 this week. Praise God. It's all throughout there. What are his commandments? Amen. So, to begin with, 1 John, John's first letter, chapter 5, verse 3, he writes these words, This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. We have rules and regulations. Testing one, two, okay. (laughs) Hallelujah. Anyway, as I was saying, 
First John, John's first letter, chapter 5, verse 3, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So here in Arizona, in uh, the city of, uh, or the town of Marana, in the state of Arizona, in the United States of America, we have rules, laws, commandments, and regulations. You can go downtown, there's a whole, whole gigantic uh, row of books called the Code of Federal Regulations, CFR. It's like utter, hundreds of books, and it's like, Man, who knows all those rules? Apparently somebody does. They wrote them all. But Jesus' commandments are not burdensome. Remember in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take your, my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, a lawyer tested Jesus and asked him, what's the greatest commandment? The same thing happened in Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 31. A scribe asked Jesus, what's the greatest? But Jesus tells him there's two. And then in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, verse 25 through 29, Jesus asks the lawyer, because he says, uh, first he asked Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? He says, well, what does the law say? What's the commandment say? And he says, well, love God. And they quote Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 2 and 4, or 2 through 4, to love God above everything else. That's our main, main duty, is to love God above everything else. And the second is like it, which is in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. It says to love your neighbor as yourself. So, and then of course in Luke, uh, he goes on to say, well, who's my neighbor wishing to justify himself? And Jesus tells him about the Good Samaritan. The Jewish annotated New Testament uh, says that uh, the Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, which says to love your neighbor as yourself, is the basis for all other Jewish laws. It was supposed to be a national ethic. And it meant not only to love your neighbor who's also Jewish and in covenant relationship with you and God, but to love the stranger within your walls also. Josephus, the uh, Jewish historian, in his uh, writing against Appion, book 2, verse 15, says, The laws that we Jews have been given are for general love for mankind. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love people. Amen? Now, what I found a few interesting things. I like to look in the dictionary and see what words mean and, and go, because the dictionary I have actually has where the word comes from. And so the word commandment in Strong's Concordance and Dictionary says that it's an injunction. And we'll get to the definition of that in a minute, because he also says it's an authoritative prescription. God wrote a prescription, amen, for all the troubles and ailments of mankind, and it is love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, what if you don't like yourself? I have somebody tell me that one time. I don't even like myself, this guy tells me. I said, well, God still loves you. You know, and, 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 and I've been there where I can look at myself in times and say, man, I do not like myself. I'm, I'm having thoughts that I don't like. But the prescription is to love God and then love your fellow man. And the injunction definition is an authoritative order or direction. <laughs> Jesus gets to tell us what to do. Amen? Hey, he's, he's the boss. You can't say, Jesus, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> he's the boss. Just to tell us what to do. In law and injunction, how many have ever heard, uh, you know, you hear in the news, well, a judge, a federal judge has issued a preliminary injunction against such and such. And uh, it, what it means is a judicial order that requires the other party to take some specified action to do something. It's telling them what to do or to not do something. So, Jesus' commandments tell us to either do things or not do things. Jesus said, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. So the bottom line is this. 
If you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commandments. What it literally means is you obey Jesus. Amen? When Jesus puts something in your heart, you'll obey. We had uh, Pastor uh, Jerome Halstead here last week, and uh, he told me something. He said, people will seek you out. He says, pray, get on your knees and pray. So he says, uh, you know, you, you older guys, you're retired. You can go to the store. You don't have to. You're not in a big hurry, you know. You, you can hang out at the store and walk. see who's God leading you to talk to about Jesus. So I went to Safeway the, yesterday, and as I'm leaving the store, I didn't see anybody in the store that I thought maybe God's leading me to talk to. And lo and behold, as I come out the store, there's a young man, obviously homeless because you can pretty much tell. And he asked me if I had any change. And so I stopped and opened my wallet, and it was empty. <laughs> Praise God. I said, I don't have any change, but I do have this. I give him a card from the church. And I uh, talked to him a little bit. Turns out he was raised as Baptist and uh, used to work in uh, restaurant business. And I don't know all those details, but as I was driving away, I thought, you know, I should have prayed with him that God, but I prayed for him that God would open a door for him. God wants us to obey him. Amen. That's the bottom line. That's the point I'm trying to make. And the, the word injunction comes from late Latin, which literally means to join to. We're joined to Jesus. Amen. We're joined to one another. And our Bibles tell us in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, to obey is better than sacrifice. In John chapter 13, verse 34, we saw Jesus gave us a new commandment. Love one another. <coughs> Pretty simple, amen? So let's go on. Because then he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, capital H, which means it's God, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither knows him, sees him, nor knows him. You know him. He dwells with you and will be in you. So, this is really important. Jesus, as our mediator, is going to ask the Father, not at this point in time, but after he raises from the dead, and he will give you another helper. Now, this word, if you're familiar with it, is the paraclete, which also could be translated as the comforter, or the advocate, or the counselor. And the reason he could be called the comforter is because he had already told the disciples, I'm going to die. I'm going, we're going to Jerusalem, today being Palm Sunday. Uh, lots, parts of the Christian world are celebrating Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But Jesus tells them before they go, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be delivered uh, into the hands of sinners, and I'm going to be crucified. <coughs> That's why he started out in chapter 14 saying, let not your heart be troubled. I'm going to be killed, but don't worry about it, guys. Here, i got some good news for you. This word parakletos is the Greek word. literally means one called to the side of another for help or counsel, advice, instruction, direction, mentoring, and it's only used in John's writings. In his first letter in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. What's very interesting is this word here. He will give you another helper. What he's saying, and he, he uses the Greek word alos, which literally means the very same kind as me. So when Jesus said the Holy Spirit's coming, it's going to be like having Jesus right by your side. As we're reading, uh, I have a, um, a, a devotional called Sparkling Gems by Rick Renner. Every day of the year, he goes through a verse and uh, expounds the Greek words. And it just so happened last Friday, he was talking about this word, alos. 
And he, say, he starts the article by saying, have you ever heard someone say, or maybe you said by yourself, man, it would have been awesome to live back then and walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus. He said, well, guess what? When you get the Holy Ghost, that's exactly what's happening. It's the same thing as if you're walking and talking with Jesus. Because he uses that word, alos is the very same thing. If you don't get anything out of today's message, get this, that the Holy Spirit is just like having Jesus walk with you and talk with you every day of your life. Amen? That's good news. Hallelujah. The Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown commentary says that the Holy Spirit supplies Christ's place. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 or verse 3 says that the Son, Jesus, is the radiance or the reflection of God's glory and the exact representation or some translations call it the image of God's nature. It's the very being Jesus is the very same being as God the Father. Jesus is the very same being as the Holy Spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. I was getting my hair cut one day and I overheard the two hairdressers talking about their spirit guide. And uh, I didn't join in the conversation because I didn't think that I would be able to get anywhere with these two. But I thought, how sad. These people are they're so enamored with this something other. A false... Uh, 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 what's the word I'm trying to think of? Uh, counterfeit. Glory to God. God has not given us an, a counterfeit. Matthew Henry says that the Holy Spirit is just as effective as Christ. He pleads Christ's cause. And He takes care of Christ's concerns. He will pray for us. And glory to God, He says that this Holy Spirit will be with us forever till the end of time. In classical Greek, a parakletos was a representative who renders legal assistance in court pleading for another's case. If you're familiar with Matthew chapter 10, verse 20, and Mark chapter 13, verse 11, Jesus says, don't worry about what to say when they arrest you and put you on trial. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, will give you words to speak. I heard a testimony of a young man who was uh, arrested in Iran. He had been visiting in a neighbor country and he went just across the border to visit some people. He was in Tajikistan. He went to go visit some people that were from Tajikistan that were living and working in Iran. And when he went to leave, they said, uh, I'm sorry, but your passport's in Tehran. You have to go pick it up there. He gets there and they put him in prison as a spy. And he said, uh, long story short, when he got to see the judge, he said, I was scared. I was nervous. I didn't know what to do. And he said, all of a sudden, I remember that verse, the Holy Spirit will give you um, words to speak. And because the judge had asked him, why are you in Iran? He said, all of a sudden, I just felt God speak to me and tell me, judge, I came here to Iran to tell you that Jesus loves you, and Jesus loves you, and you, and you, and you. And a short while later, they released him. And when he, they released him, the judge, and this is uh, the, the culture that they have in Iran, the, the judge, out of respect and love for this young man, and shook his hand, embraced him, and kissed him on both cheeks as a sign that you are righteous. And thank you for telling me that. He was... <laughs> Otherwise, he, I mean, they'd beat him up in the prison. And uh, <laughs> just amazing story. This, and I met him personally uh, through uh, Voice of the Martyrs. The Holy Spirit was pleading his case. The Holy Spirit's role is to continue the revealing work of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, Jesus is just about to be uh, taken up into heaven and He tells the disciples, I'll be with you always. Well, if you're going up to heaven and leaving, how are you going to be with us if you're not here on earth? Because of the Holy Spirit's coming. The Holy Spirit. It denotes that the Holy Spirit is a person and a power. Amen? In the New Testament, 
The Holy Spirit is not called to our side, but the Holy Spirit is sent by, the God, by God the Father. The Holy Spirit is given to us, and the Holy Spirit needs to be received. Amen? Brings active help to us. John chapter 12, verse 45, he tells the disciples, they just ask him, well, show us the Father. Philip, he says, haven't I been with you long enough that you don't know? Don't you know me? He who sees me, Jesus said, sees him who sent me. In chapter 13, verse 20, Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, whoever receives whomever I send, how many know we're sent? Amen? Jesus has given us a commission we sent to represent him. Whoever receives us receives Jesus. Amen? And whoever receives Jesus receives the one who was sent by Jesus and receives the one who sent Jesus in the first place, which is the Father. Amen? Sorry if I'm rambling on. I'm trying to make some sense out of all this. Verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth. What is truth? Truth. Well, my truth is not the same as your truth. Well, that's a bunch of nonsense because truth is truth. By self-definition, truth is an objective reality. You cannot make up your own truth. Amen? Amen. It's just impossible. If it's your own truth, it's not true. It has to be universal truth. Amen? Case closed. <laughs> the world cannot receive him. Or it, the whole, him, the Holy Spirit, not it, him, the spirit of truth. The world, that doesn't mean the earth, naturally. It means the society. It means the, the culture. It means the, 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 the way things are going in society. Hallelujah. The world. <laughs> Matthew Henry says, it, the world is the atmosphere where the Spirit of God is excluded, where people are invincibly devoted to sin. Friday, uh, I think it was Friday or Saturday, there was a protest downtown. The uh, LGBTQ plus, minus, whatever they are, they wanted to be, and the trans, transvestites people, whatever the nonsense is, confusion is what it is, they wanted to be seen. So they had a protest downtown because the state of Arizona's legislature is making horrible laws Horrible laws. What's horrible is uh, having men dress up as women and, uh, and, and, and present themselves to little children. That's horrible. Amen. What nonsense. What confusion. What disgusting behavior. Amen? Amen. And they're protesting. We want to be seen. Go back in the closet. Amen? In the name of Jesus. I mean, I feel sorry for those people. They're confused. Absolute confusion. And God is not the author of confusion. May God have mercy on their souls. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him. But you know him, Jesus said, for he dwells with you and will be or is in you. If you're a disciple of Jesus, hopefully you have the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You are united with Jesus. We're to cooperate and we're to acknowledge what Christ has done in us and what he's doing through us. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 and Ezekiel 8, chapter 18, verse 31, we have been given a new heart. We've got a changed life. We're, we're different. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says we have the mind of Christ. Christ has changed our way of thinking. Amen? In Galatians chapter 6, verse 15, it says the only thing that matters is a changed life. When you received Jesus, your life should, have to, should be changed. Your lifestyle should no longer be the same as it was. Amen? Glory to God. So, hallelujah. He dwells in you and He will be in you. So let's go on. <coughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 14, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. The best knowledge of the Holy Spirit of truth is gained by experience. Over time, you'll feel, you'll hear God speak to you, not audibly, uh, most likely, but God will put things in your heart. 
I like that uh, scripture. I'm looking forward to this <laughs> scripture. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh in Joel chapter 2. And your old men will dream dreams. I'm getting to be an old man. So I'm looking forward to dreams from God. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I'll not leave you as orphans. And the reason he said that, because in Greek culture, when your teacher left, he died or was taken to prison or executed or wherever, you were considered an orphan. But Jesus said, I will come to you. What he literally means is he's going to come back because they already know he's going to die. And he already told them he's going to come back to life, but he's reminding them again. People, I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes I don't remember everything I hear. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more because he's going to die. But you will see me because he's going to come back to life. That's what Easter's about. Because I live, you also will live. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will never die. He told this to Lazarus' sister. But Lazarus was dead. And it's a good thing he only called Lazarus by name because he would have called and everybody would have come out of the grave. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. In that day, what day? The day that he comes back to life and shows himself again to the disciples. You will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. How do you get in Christ? You get Christ in you. You get joined to Christ. You're consecrated. In me and in you, you're consecrated to the same end. What's our goal? What's our motto? Win, build, send. Win souls, build them up, send them out. That's our purpose. That's our mission statement here at this church. Win, build, send. Evangelize, equip, and empower. We are consecrated to the same end. We are one in mind, purpose, and life plans. That's how we get in the Father and in Jesus and get him in us. We put our minds on the things of God. As we were in the prayer room this morning, I remembered that scripture. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking those whose hearts are inclined towards God. One translation says those whose hearts are fully his. Hallelujah. I hope that you are joined in God's purposes. The world only saw his physical presence. Because I live, Jesus said, you will live also, even though he's going to die, because he has eternal life. And this is eternal life. John chapter 17, verse 10 says, this is eternal life, that you know the Father and the Son whom the Father has sent. Eternal life. What a promise. We're not even though our physical bodies are going to wear out, we have eternal life. Then Jesus said, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, have them and keep them, it is he who loves me. Our whole purpose is to love God. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. Isn't that a wonderful promise? I will love him and manifest myself to him or reveal myself to him or her. And then... Distinctly, it says, Judas, not Iscariot, because Judas Iscariot's already gone, and he's got a whole different purpose in life. This is Judas, one of the 12 apostles. In Luke chapter 6, 16, he's called the son of James. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 3, and Mark chapter 3, verse 18, he's called Thaddeus. This is one of the 12 that Jesus chose. And he asks Jesus, how... Is it that you'll show yourself to us and not the world? Or another way of putting it is, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Because Jesus makes a special promise to us that we can know in a special way Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, we can know and have the favor of God. This, Matthew Henry says, is divine humility. That he's not going to show himself to the world. Remember earlier in the study, Jesus' brothers were encouraging him. Hey, you know, Jesus, why don't you go to uh, Jerusalem and make yourself famous? You know, we'll be right behind you so we can join in some of the fame and have our name in light, so to speak. But Jesus, 
humbled Himself. He's going to manifest or reveal Himself to those who follow Him and not to the whole world. It's their loss. Amen? Too bad. <laughs> Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Verse 22, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. First John, John's first letter again. I like John. He writes a lot of good stuff. It says, And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us first and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the covering for our sins. We love Him because He first loved us. This is for all believers for all time. And the surest evidence of our love for Jesus is our obedience to Him. Amen? That's how we prove we love Jesus. We obey Him. Hallelujah. What an amazing promise. Jesus is not a show-off. Even though He did many miracles while He walked on the earth, and even though His followers have done many miracles after that, it's not for showing off. It's not pride. It's, it's love. It's humility. It's compassion. Hallelujah. Let's go on. So Jesus answers this question. Here's how it works. If anyone loves me, they'll keep my word, and my Father will love him. We will come to him and make our home with him, just like it says in Revelation. We'll make our home with him. God wants to live in our houses, in our homes, and our neighborhoods. Can you say amen? And of course, God's not rude. Man, he doesn't just break in. Okay, I'm taking over. That's not God's attitude, amen? Even though he does get to tell us what to do, it's not like, I'm the boss and you're the slaves and that's it. That's not it at all. It's the Holy Spirit has the same divine power and authority as Jesus, yet Jesus says, I'm gentle. I'm lowly in heart. My yoke is easy. Anybody ever see horses or cattle trying to pull stuff with a yoke? Thank God for tractors and stuff nowadays. <laughs> it was rough trying to work farms back then. And Jesus being the son of a carpenter, legend has it that he made doors, that's why he called himself the door, and that he also made yokes for the oxen and the uh, other animals. Be that as it may, Anyone who loves Jesus keeps his word. Love is the root, and obedience is the fruit. Praise God. Even his hard sayings we need to keep. If you don't understand, it's like some things in the Bible are hard to understand. I don't understand everything in the Bible. But like Mark Twain says, the things I do understand are enough for me to really try and get a hold of God and stay connected. The Holy Spirit does a bunch of things. The Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit reminds us. It's not a new gospel, but it's all that Jesus said when he brings things to our remembrance. The Holy Spirit helps us to carry on the work. The Holy Spirit will convince the world of sin and judgment and righteousness. The Holy Spirit testifies. The Holy Spirit leads. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit hears. The Holy Spirit prophesies. The Holy Spirit instructs. The Holy Spirit can be grieved and insulted. My Father will love the person. And we will come to Him and make our home with Him. Notice, this is a plural pronoun. Not the nonsense of pronouns that people are promulgating nowadays, but this is a plural, plural, plural pronoun, which means there's two people He's talking about right there. The Father and the Son. And the third person which makes up the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. 
there are so many critics that are ignorant of what has gone into getting us the Word of God in our language that we can understand. Excuse me, I read somewhere that there are approximately 60 different translations in English that give us enough of an understanding in English that we can know this is the Word of God, this is God's words, and this is what God wants us to know. I read a story of a, um, a Christian a, a tribe over in Africa somewhere, and uh, once a week, uh, the missionary would come and preach the Word of God, and, but then he would leave. And then one day, somebody had been working, I believe it was the Whitecliffe Bible translators, they translated the Bible into that local language. And they brought the Bible and presented it to the chief. And the chief said, you know, it was like God visited us during Sunday and then left. Now that we have his word, it's like God has come to stay with us. Hallelujah. The helper. This word, where is the word? We'll make our home. The Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown's commentary says this is the word abode in the King James, and it means a permanent stay. That's God's purpose is to permanently live with us. Amen? Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 quotes Leviticus chapter 26, verse 12. God speaking says, I will dwell in in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. God says, I will dwell among you and I will be among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. Hallelujah. The word that you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. Jesus, everything He said and did was Obedience to the Father. Let's go on. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. I'm going to leave. But the Helper, the Paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I read somewhere that most people only retain about 25% of what they hear. So thank God somebody wrote Jesus' words down, collected them. Amen? The Holy Spirit, the Paracletos, He's coming to help us. He has more work to do besides what Jesus did when He was here. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12-15 through 15 says, among other things, Peter writes, he said, I will not be negligent to remind you always. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my departure. So Peter knew he was going to depart. Jesus knew he was going to depart. So he sends the Holy Spirit, and it's a good thing that they remind us. How many of you, hopefully, don't raise your hands, you have scripture verses that you put up around your house. Most Jewish people, they put inscriptions on the doors of their houses. If you go to Jan's house, you'll see right on the front door, there's some scriptures. Not a bad idea to put reminders. <laughs> My wife has a, <laughs> a, on the mirror it says, do not repeat what the enemy says. That's good advice, amen? Praise God. Reminders. <clears throat> And he goes on, verse 26, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of peace treaties. We're at peace with this country and that country. But we still have an army. <laughs> That's the world's kind of peace. You know, we, we, we have a peace treaty. We have the Strategic Arms Limitations Treaty. But we still have nuclear weapons. <laughs> That's not the peace of God. Amen. The peace of God. Where is that scripture? Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Verse 5 begin, or ends saying, The Lord is at hand. He's right here. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And by doing that, 
the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When Jesus was born, the angels announced, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Peace is reconciliation. Reconciliation is Christ's gift. It enriches the soul for eternity. We've been reconciled to God through Jesus' sacrifice. We have peace with God through Jesus' sacrifice. There's plenty of things going on in the news to make us nervous. There's over between two and 300 earthquakes around the world every day. There's like 50 active volcanoes around the world. There's sunspots. There's solar wind. There's geomagnetic storms. There's all kinds of stuff going on. There's food insecurity because of the war in Russia. Let the peace of God dwell in your hearts. God will take care of you. Amen? Not as the world gives peace. <laughs> he repeats verse 14. Where did it go? Let not your hearts be troubled. He says it again. It's a good thing Jesus repeats things. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Because he gives us peace that passes all understanding. Let not your heart be afraid either. Perfect love casts out fear. Hallelujah. It's useful to have the peace of God. Can you say amen? People get ulcers. They go to the mental hospital. They take tranquilizers because they have no peace of God. The world gives plenty of reasons to fear. Now, once again, you heard me say I'm going away. He's re-announcing his death again. But he's also re-announcing his resurrection, I will come to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I'm going to the Father. I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. That's a good reason for you to rejoice. Really? Wait, what? They're going to kill you? We should rejoice? If you understand the whole thing, why, yes. Because he's going back to a better place. The, and then this is the kicker. The Father is greater than I. There's people that have, have uh, a whole doctrine about why Jesus is not God. And this is one of the scriptures they pull out of context. The Father is greater than Jesus, so Jesus can't be God. Well, if you understand what's going on, God's in eternity. God does not take up time, space, or matter. He's not anywhere that we can, you know, physically touch. But Jesus, at the moment in time when he spoke these words, was on the earth. He was limited to that position, that location, hallelujah, as a human being with God inside of him. And if you study it out, you'll find out, yes, Jesus was God. And hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 says, Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Jesus is the same as God the Father. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, The God of this world has blinded their minds of those who do not believe. Otherwise, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. All kinds of heresies Spring out of this, the Father's greater than I. Use your brain. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. Sorry, I don't need to be so rude. But think about it. Look and study it for yourself. There's plenty of evidence. We want to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, this is why you guys should rejoice because I'm going to the Father and He's going to the Father after the resurrection. This is why you should rejoice for the joy set before Him. He endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. We should rejoice. Rejoice. Yes, rejoice. Don't be sad. 
He's going to a better place. Because listen to the words of Philippians, the letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verse 9. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. In all things, Jesus must have the preeminence. That's why the world hates Jesus so much. That's why the world doesn't want anything to do with any restrictions that God places upon us. Any, any uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Any demands that God places on us. Well, I like to do what I want to do. No one can tell me what to do. I am my own man. I had somebody tell me, I said, you know, you ought to thank God for all the stuff he's given. God had nothing to do with it, he said. I built all this stuff myself. Okay, yeah, well, uh, where did all the material come from? And all the, where the earth and the universe come from? <laughs> was down at the Gem and Mineral Show one year, and this guy had this meteorite about this big. It's a piece of metal. How in the world did this piece of metal come to, into existence out in outer space? And how in the world did it get through our atmosphere? Where did this come from? Or outer space. Where did outer space come from? <laughs> well, I made all this to myself. Oh, you did, did you? Where did the oxygen come from that you breathe? Where did the water come from that you drink? Give glory to God. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go on. Three more verses. Verse 29. Now I've told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. Many, many passages in the Scripture say, and it came to pass. Because God said it's going to happen, and then, then it happened. <laughs> Whoa! God knows what He's doing. And you may believe. You, victory is assured. Victory is assured. We can trust. This confirms that Jesus is saying, your faith in me is going to be solid, confirmed. No one can shake you. I told somebody, you know, when you get saved, no one will be able to convince you otherwise. When Jesus touches your life and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that He's real, that He loves you, that He cares for you, that He's changed your life, and that He saved you, no one will be ever able to take that away from you. You will be totally convinced. I look forward to the day when I see that young man totally convinced. Nothing will change his mind. Hallelujah. Prophecy fulfilled. It will confirm your faith. And we'll close and finish up with the last two verses. 31 and 30, 30 and 31. We'll do 30 first. <laughs> I will no longer talk much with you. This cracks me up. Chapter 14. Jesus is not going to talk much more. But then there's chapter 15 and chapter 16. And then chapter 17, he prays for them. Three more chapters and he's not going to talk much more? Come on. <laughs> what do you mean? Anyway, because the ruler of this world is coming. And who's the ruler of the world? He came in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. He said, you know what? I own all the kingdoms of the world, which was a lie, and I'll give them all to you, he said to Jesus, if you bow down and worship me. What an idiot. Why were, what? He's insane. Bow down and worship Satan. I was curious, why do people worship Satan? What's wrong with them? <laughs> he hates them. Whatever. Ruler of this world. Matthew Henry said, you know what? Jesus said, I can see the ruler of the world's coming. And Matthew Henry said, you know, if you know you have a weakness in a certain area, or you can see temptation might be coming, have a plan. Escape. Jesus said, or not Jesus, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe it is, I don't remember the verse, it says, no temptation has come upon you except that which is common to mankind. However, God is faithful and will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able to bear, but with the temptation will make a way of escape. It's up to us to look for the way of escape. Amen? Hallelujah. And what does Jesus say? Okay, he's coming for me. 
but he has no claim on me. Anybody ever file an insurance claim or any other type of claim? You are entitled to what you apply for. I put in the claim for my Social Security, so I'm entitled to get certain payment. Jesus said, and the reason is I have a right to because there are rules and regulations in place, but Jesus said he has no claim on me. What claim could the enemy possibly have on anybody? Oh, you sinned. Uh -huh. There's some flaw in you. Amen? But Jesus was perfect and he had no flaw, no sin. So therefore, no claim from the enemy. Therefore, when the enemy thought he had won by having him crucified, it backfired on him. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. No claim on me because he was the spotless lamb. This assured the victory. I like what it says in, the, in the, one of Paul's letters. He says that the, Jesus, when he went to the cross, the curse was nailed to the cross with him. And it stayed there so that we're set free from the cross. In another place it says that Jesus has paraded uh, our enemy about as a defeated foe. He disarmed him. Amen. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 and 11. The accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. We had a, a brother who's passed away. Juan Gerald was a big guy from England, played rugby. He was fearless. I remember him saying, He'd be driving, you know, and his kids be in the car, and uh, he would just uh, blurt out, wonderful Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And he explained that one time, <laughs> some memory came to his mind of some awful thing that he did, some sin. Man, when that comes to your mind, some awful sin that the enemy reminds you of, that you would rather forget, but you know you did it. You can just say, thank you, Jesus, because his blood covers it. And you're now innocent before God. Amen. That's great news. Anytime one of those memories comes up, you just have to say, wonderful, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The blood of Jesus covers me. Hallelujah. I'm forgiven. It's no longer a claim on me. It's gone. Hallelujah. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. <coughs> Tell somebody about Jesus. I enjoy Praise God. They love not their lives to the death. Are you ready to give up everything for Jesus? I hope so. Don't be so attached to everything. God has given us uh, the privilege of being stewards while we're here on earth to prepare us for the heavenly realms. Let's get on with it. Praise God. Remember, Jesus said, I do as the Father commanded me so the world may know that I love the Father. Let's get going. That he loves the Father. This literally means, this is evidence. He proves that he loves us by going to the cross. Proves that he loves us by going to the cross. Proves that he loves the Father by going to the cross. He brings salvation to us and glory and honor to the Father. That the world may know that I love the Father. Excuse me. No claim on us. Amen. Prophecy fulfilled. Glory to God.